This whole time is weird. You remember when we were all mad at statues? Uh, just fired up about statues. Couldn't wait to get our hands around a statue, you know? And I feel dumb, uh, that whole issue, because I don't even know who they are, you know? I don't know who these statues are. You know how, like, some people think all uh, uh, Asians are Chinese? Uh, I think all statues are George Washington. <laughs> And that was comedian Kevin Kamiya during the show Bindle Laugh Jam from this past September recorded via Zoom, which explains the audio quality and the child in the background. I'm your host, Aurin Almario. And I'm your other host, Joe Cascasan. You're tuned into the Fobcast, a podcast from Biddlesef Studio in Soma, Filipinas, exploring topics from the Filipino immigrant perspective here in the Bay Area and beyond. And in this episode, we delve deeper into the issue of monuments, which has taken on greater significance with ongoing protests over racial injustice. While Civil War monuments are finally starting to come down, communities across the country are rethinking who we memorialize and why, and what other monuments need to go. For more on this, here's our producer, Rachel Lastimosa. I kind of have a sinus issue right now. I don't know if uh, you could edit out me sniffling later or something, but it might happen. I'm just... It's okay. I think you're fine. (laughs) For this episode, I really wanted to look into what people thought about monuments. And that joke that we just heard from Kevin Camille, I think pretty much sums up what most people think about statues, but I thought it'd be interesting to dig a little bit deeper and see what comes up if we start scratching under the surface. And it just so happens that there's this Pinay artist that focused her entire project recently around monuments. Let's hear from her. Everybody that it emerged out of that because I want people to first like really think about what what they um, feel about monuments and how their relationship is to monuments, but um, we are all kind of agreeing that monuments are racist and antiquated and this is not the way and the only way to approach things. But I think there's another aspect where it's like when you start wanting to figure out solutions and how people even relate to these objects that um, that are the harder questions that I want people to think about too, so. Do you think you could introduce yourself for the audience? So I'm Cheyenne Concepcion, and um, I'm from Los Angeles, and I've been living in the Bay now for, I think, like seven years, and I am an artist and designer. Um, I work in the day as a designer, and so that really influences my my art practice. Um, I have a background in urban planning and also landscape architecture, and so the built environment is a huge inspiration for me and and a lot of a lot comes with that and i really look at space and the politics of space and that is super um broad as i approach art but kind of i'm a project-based designer and so this work that i'm talking to you about today is a kind of local connection to a larger national conversation that we're having around monuments and memorialization and whose voice is represented and who hasn't been represented in the past and and also kind of trying to touch on ways to better approach memorialization and remember people in public spaces. This project is is called The Relic Report 
and it is a it comes to life as a two-part publication and it is kind of a a study it's it's an unof- i'm calling it an unofficial municipal study because there is an active official study that is on the same 87 monuments and so in a way it's a parallel study as, and we're kind of trying to answer the same questions in a lot of ways so Cheyenne's project is coming off the heels of the city's reaction to a lot of civil unrest um, that is pointing towards the institutionalized racism that is symbolized in monuments. Different departments of the city, the San Francisco Arts Commission, the Human Rights Commission, as well as Parks and Rec, have come together to kind of come up with this plan on how to handle monuments from here on out, you know, quoting the racist history that the city has had around erecting some of these monuments. And what what's really interesting about this project is that she is sort of tongue-in-cheek modeling the same process that a city, city agency would um, by creating a report, having a public comment period, and then making a decision off of that and also kind of utilizing uh, the support of an advisory uh, council, um, which she is calling a task force, to have oversight around the public engagement component. You know, she put out this pretty amazing zine that categorizes the entire monument collection that the city owns. And she, she goes about it in a pretty interesting way. So I have like a very short, concise report that kind of goes quickly over the groupings of them, because I think by organizing it that way, you can kind of see what what is important um, to the city as part of their collection and then what might not be. So like, for example, um, by grouping all the men together that are represented in monuments and all the women together, there are 53 men and three women that are that are monumentalized in this collection and so you see the like general trend towards like patriarchy there and then there and then I started grouping them by like form and so there were all these bronze monuments and very traditional roman style monuments and neoclassical neoclassical monuments and then very few i think there was like 15 um more modern style and it wasn't even that modern so i, think I kind you of might titled get the point by now that the voice that cheyenne is using in this project is one that gets to the heart of the matter that really speaks to what the issues are that disconnect us from the existing monuments that that are around us that surround us in space but what i also really appreciate about the point of view that her project is putting out there is the importance of community engagement. I view this project as kind of like the punk rock cousin of of the city's project. And so I think that the task force also reflects that. Um, I don't have any city representatives on the task force. I have very like um, nonprofit cultural workers, like people who, who are in the arts and cultural world, but not necessarily like have don't have one foot in um, like the civic side of, of the world. We're gonna go through all the comments that were um, kind of proposed to us following the survey and kind of 
distill it down and um, put together some recommendations to engage the city again. So Joe, Cheyenne talked about this new approach to monuments that incorporates more community input. But before we even get to that, a lot of people don't even know what monuments are out there related to the Filipino community. Yes, like the Dewey Monument in Union Square. Yep, the one with a woman on top, Nike, the goddess of victory. The victory it memorializes is Admiral George Dewey in the Battle of Manila Bay that uh, kicked off the Spanish-American War. But in this interview that you're about to hear with noted local historian MC Canlas, the monument might reference us, but it definitely doesn't represent us. And that really is the main problem with so many of these historical monuments. Here's Rachel again. So the good thing about San Francisco, why I love the city and I love touring the people in San Francisco, because San Francisco is the Filipino Smithsonian. There are many historical landmarks and cultural spaces connected to the Philippines and the Filipinos in America. This is MC Canlas. He's a historian, an author, an activist, an artist, um, and he's played a very crucial role in the formation of the San Francisco Filipino Cultural Heritage District, Soma Pilipinas. Here we have him doing a presentation for SF History Days entitled How to Uncover the Philippine-American War Through Monuments. So San Francisco has monument markers, street names, and public arts to prompt us to revisit and retell her history. So this is the beauty why I'm doing tours in San Francisco either a walking tour or a city tour wherein you will see the Philippine-American uh, history and the connection to the Philippine-American war. Our point of interest one is in the heart of San Francisco. Perhaps you're not familiar with the Union Square, which is located on Post, Montgiri, Powell, and Stockton. The inscription on the four sides of the Dewey Tower remains the same, but you see the highlight? Two presidents, incumbent presidents of the United States were part of the big celebration of mounting this monument. The groundbreaking by President William McKinley and also dedicated during the installation by President Theodore Roosevelt. So it means that it's very, very significant to the nation and to San Francisco. If you see the east side, it says Secretary of Navy John Long to Commodore Dewey, April 24, 1898. War has commenced between the United States and Spain. Proceed at once to the Philippine Islands and capture or destroy the Spanish fleet. Although the Spanish-American War started in Cuba, you know, the main uh, bombing or explosion, but the first war uh, attack was not in Cuba, it was in the Philippines. On the night of April 13, 1898, Commodore Dewey Squadron entered Manila Bay and undoubted by the danger of the submerged explosive reached Manila town at dawn of May 1st, 1898, attacked and destroyed the Spanish fleet of 10 warships, reduced the fort and held the city in subjection until the arrival of troops from America. The keywords there, until the arrival of troops from America. Let's listen to that later, okay? 
And of course, when they installed the monument, it was attributed to the citizens of San Francisco to commemorate the victory of the American Navy under Commodore Dewey at Manila Bay. So uh, this was on May 20, 23rd. That was the when it was uh, groundbreaking. When the Union Square was being constructed, I was involved in asking the contractor if they can include a marker wherein we can put our version of history in the construction. That's why I wrote this one during uh, the time I was, I was a columnist and my, the title of my column is Ethnotourism. The topic is reconstructing our history in Union Square. Because as a historian migrating in, in the United States, I find this one very, very important. So that, that's why I was involved in asking people how we can contribute in the writing of history in the United States. And then, fortunately, during the time there is the civic uh, public, the public arts department of the Arts Commission, so therefore, they were thinking of also trying to put a reinterpretation of the monument. So therefore, if we're trying to appreciate those monuments and markers, we're also engaging in what they call the discourse to memor memorialize the accuracy of the Philippine-American War and independence. There should be a continuing discourse on the history of the United States and its role in most parts of the world, then and now. The Dewey Memorial Tower in Union Square commemorates the Battle of Manila Bay in 1898 that made America an imperial power in Asia and Pacific. So uh, remember I mentioned in the, in the Union Square that the, they're waiting for the arrival of America. So the Battle of Manila Bay, there are two. The one that Dewey started, which is April 30 and May 1st. The other one is the August 13, where the Spaniards surrendered to the America. All the, the Filipino revolutionary were about to overwhelm them. So the Spaniards, instead of sur surrendering to their former colonies uh, leaders, they surrendered to the American. And the American didn't want us to be part of, the, uh, of that uh, victory. So they segregated us. So MC goes on and talks about a lot of different monuments throughout San Francisco pertaining to the Philippine-American War. He also goes into detail about the naming convention, about the war itself, how it being called the Spanish-American War up until 1988, when they renamed it to the Philippine-American War, specifically led to so many Filipino-American veterans that fought for America not getting benefits. There's been a lot of activism in the community around just getting these veterans the recognition they deserve, as well as their compensation and benefits. In 2019, a plaque was created by Filipinos and put at the base of the Dewey Tower. There's criticism around the lack of community engagement with that, but we'll let MC tell us more about it. If you see the black on the base, on the west side, there's now a new marker the Battle of Manila Bay and the Philippine War. It means it's not only what was written uh, on the four sides of the monument, but there's now a Filipino version or context of this 
historical event being commemorated on the Dewey Monument. Okay, this is a Filipino written with American mind. The Filipino people of the Philippines struggled against Spanish colonial law for over 300 years. At the outbreak of the Spanish-American Wars, Filipinos joined with American forces and rejoiced the com in Commodore Dewey's, Dewey's decisive defeat of the archipelago. Filipinos joined the American forces. We're fighting the Spaniards before the American came. We didn't join them. The continuing discourse, I, I entitled it Dimapawi. In Dimapawi in Tagalog, it means it won't be erased, remove or eradicate. It is our task to unlearn and learn our own history from our point of view as Filipinos. In San Francisco, the war, the Spanish-American War and the Philippine-American War brought prosperity to local economy. It is considered the second gold dress, means say San Francisco became uh, rich again or the prosperity that's why they initiated the city beautiful movement and that's why they put more monuments in the city that's why when you see the different monument and statues connected to the war in the Philippines it's because of the prosperity it brought to the San Francisco okay but for Filipinos, it meant 600 deaths and loss of independence and freedom. And the Philippines became a U.S. colony. Actually, when the, the beauty about this uh, campaign of, of retelling our story, it's also connected to community organizing. Because when, for example, when you see the South of Market, you have many landmarks in South of Market. There are street names. Rizal, Mabini, uh, Bonifacio, Tandangsora, Lapu-Lapu, no, in, in, in South of Market. The same time in the north side, you have the Lawton Street. MC you brings up a great Street. point about how yeah. community engagement and activism play a huge role in how markers and monuments are created to reflect the voice of a community. But, you know, some of the questions that need to be asked are whose voices are being lifted up and um, and what effort is being made to ensure that as many voices are being heard as possible. So as MC demonstrates, even when these monuments try to be a bit more inclusive, like with the plaque, they still get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And in response, communities have really embraced public art as a way to memorialize and commemorate meaningful people and events from their own perspective. So when Bindlestiff had to board up our windows, like so many other places during the pandemic, we took a page from Cheyenne Conception and really wanted to embrace the politics of space and use it to memorialize figures in our Bindlestiff community near and dear to our hearts. Yes, and actually, Joe, this was actually your idea that you proposed was to, you know, honor folks from Bindlestiff that have passed away. So. Um, in our wall right now outside, um, we have a mural painted by Sammy C, and it depicts E, or e. Eric, yeah, Eric Fructuoso, our beloved um, artist and also a youth worker with United Players. And, you know, he's been doing Benosa for a long time, and um, his spirit is still with us. You know, we see a lot of E's um, photos around here at Benosa. And also, 
Dr. Don Mabalan, who was who passed away in 2018, and a towering figure in academia who literally wrote the book about Little Manila in Stockton. That was like her life's work, right? But also, she was an artist in her own right and a binosifoji. You know, Sammy C. spoke with a resident uh, Binosif artist and board member, Julie Kowabara, back in October over Zoom. So apologies for the um, the sound quality, uh, but she mentions Oliver during the interview. Uh, She's talking about Binosif's managing director, Oliver Saria, and she describes her creative process and the importance of authentic representation. One of the things that really strikes me about public art, especially right now during this pandemic time, is the responsibility that artists have of telling stories that aren't being seen. And the other part about public art is it's taking up space, like large, you know, what you did for Bindlestiff is a rather large piece of art. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what does it mean to be like a minority artist and feeling your power of taking space, especially in a public space too. You know, when I think about the ways that I see art in the Bay Area, like like you look at the mission for, as an example, right? Like um, the history and the stories that are on the walls are representative of the community, the culture, the struggle, the resilience. Um, of what's happening directly in the community and also in in the diasporic communities of people that are like centralized and and make that place beautiful and what it is. Um, And I love that um, the ethics and the value and that tradition of of having the people who live in a place or are connected culturally to a place really take the agency to tell their own story because if they're if they don't do it if you don't do it then someone else might and it might not be the way that um it's not the whole story right um and i think that you know being a filipino american artist um you know i always looked to um like the the mission murals and was wondering even though there's like a whole spectrum and gamut of incredible inspirational revolutionary stories like i didn't always see stories that were about my my personal history or filipino american history and so you know there is that there are definitely you know those pieces around san francisco but um it's, it's like a little bit less represented um than than other cultural narratives that you'll see in murals Um, And so I think like, yeah, for me, people who have um, a relationship to a place should should feel um, empowered to take up space, especially if it's in uh, intention to educate or uplift the community that's around there um, or tell a story that wouldn't necessarily be heard because, you know, Otherwise, what else is the space going to be like? There's a hundred thousands of advertisements all around us that I didn't ask to see. And those things are, you know, always influencing us, always, you know, sometimes shaping how we see ourselves. And, you know, being a public artist is sort of like a, a way to combat that and say, hey, no, like 
let's put a, a positive message that reflects us, that tells stories about what's going on right here. Um, and, and that is intended to uplift and, and show love and, um, you know, just give, give the love back that that place gives to, to me as an artist. Um, and so it's a, it's a privilege and it's also like a, a responsibility for folks who do art in public to be very conscientious of like, who is the message for, right? And Joe, you know, we're here at the, the heart of Soma Pilipinas, right? And there are so many wonderful examples of community taking control of narrative and space here in Soma yes, Pilipinas. Yes, yep, yep, yep. Like, uh, there were the uh, utility boxes around the district that depict Tagalog words and their English translations. Uh, that was spearheaded by South of Market Community Action Network. Shout out to Somcan and shout out to Leanne Ladia, uh, one of our producers actually, who also spearheaded that project. She also was pivotal in the facade outside of Bayanihan center right now at sixth and mission so there's a huge mural um that was designed by mel veracruz who also did my tattoo <laughs> and england hidalgo shout out to somcan and i just want to say like that was a really community-led effort to make that mural happen i saw johanna there we saw a lot of soma filipinas folks artists community workers coming out to paint a piece of that mural and so that mural it's honoring local heroes Shiro's and Dayro's who have passed on, and you definitely should check it out if you're in the neighborhood. Um, and if you want to see the one um, in front of Bindlestiff, Bindlestiff is on the corner of 6th and Howard. We know that this debate around monuments isn't going to go away anytime soon, and here in San Francisco, we're seeing some statues actually come down. Uh, the racist early day statue, part of a pioneer monument at the Civic Center, was quietly removed back in June 2019 after decades of advocacy by Native American activists. Right, that was a very, very disturbing monument it was kind of like sandwiched between the Asian Art Museum and the main library, and I had to pass by that all the time. And you know what? Even when the city tries to be more inclusive, controversy still bubbles over, like with a debacle around a planned Maya Angelou statue where the winning designer artist Lava Thomas, a black woman, was selected, rejected, then reinstated. See, it all points to the fact that the community really does need to be involved, not just in the removal of statues and monuments, but in their creation. And in this whole idea of how we utilize space in general, whose narratives are told and who gets to tell them. So if you want to get involved in that discussion and you want to help shape what Soma Filipinas, San Francisco's Filipino Cultural District will look like, then please join Soma Filipinas Arts and Cultural Advisory Group, or at the very least, sign up for the mailing list. Yes, let your voices be heard. And if you want to learn more about what's happening citywide, check out the SF Arts Commission's Monuments and Memorials Advisory Committee. We'll put those links in our show notes, as well as links to the work from the guests we interviewed in this episode. Thanks again to uh, Cheyenne Conception, MC Canlas, and Sammy C for their insights. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. And you can listen to all our podcasts, all two of them, on Benelsef's website and on Apple Podcasts. This episode of FOBCAST was brought to you by the generous support of Asian Pacific Islander Cultural Center as part of their annual United States of Asian American Festival. Thank you, APIC. APIC! And also the SF Arts Commission, 
Grants for the Arts, and Soma Pilipinas. This episode was produced by Leanne Ladia, Jude Ferrer, and Rachel Lastimosa. Written by Oliver Saria with music by Ibelin and Oblivion. I'm your host, Joe Cascasan. I'm your other host, Aurene Almario. Hope you join us for another episode of Fobcast. Thank you.